Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is Chasing Function, and this is Kai. And this is Noah. And Noah has a very interesting topic today. <laughs> As I always do, Kai. I mean, I mean that's just the norm. <laughs> so, uh, in my constant state of introspection um, and evaluating communication styles, um, I came across this this idea around processing speed. And mm. so essentially I've been working really hard with my daughters who are eight to establish boundaries and to kind of figure out how they feel about things and um, just to like better harbor foundational communication skills that allow them to grow up and protect themselves. And so, you know, I talk a lot about how, you know, you're in Muay Thai so that you can physically protect yourself if somebody tries to hurt you. Uh, boundaries are your emotional and verbal Muay Thai, right? It's the way you practice protecting yourself and teaching people how, to, how you want to be treated. But I was asking Cadence, who's my little, like, deep thinker, how she felt about something, and she said she didn't know. And I kind of kept bugging her about it, kept bugging her about it. And she said, which made me so proud. She said, uh, daddy, can I think about it? Mm. So yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. Like we can have a discussion at a later time. And it just brought up this, like this concept of processing speed internally. Like it made me think, you know, I'm 40 years old. I've put a good amount of effort into trying to be a better communicator. Um, I grew up in an environment where we over-communicated, which by the way is, can be equally as problematic as not communicating. Mm. Um, especially if you're communicating with somebody who um, takes what you say at heart immediately, right? And doesn't let you work through your thoughts. So I was forced to learn processing speed early in life. It was like, we're gonna have a discussion, we're gonna have it right now. And I didn't have the verbal uh, ability to like establish boundaries to protect myself. And so I didn't really think much about it until I started having conversations with my kids. And I had just never really expected, you know, my kids are always teaching me so much, but having an eight-year-old be like, let me think about it. Right. And so this concept is interesting because if you're communicating with somebody who has a different communication style of you as you do, or that's a little maybe more introspective or it's time to become introspective, giving grace around processing speed becomes really important because if you're impatient and you don't give people an opportunity to be introspective, the quality of communication goes down. Yeah. Right. For sure. And one of the things that I say to my kids is, you know, and I take ownership in is, if I ask you to do something and you don't do it, then I didn't do a good enough job of making it impactful enough for you to understand why it was important for you to do it. So I might as well have not said it. Mm. Right. And that's the way I view things in most aspects of my life, you know, working with my coaches at the gym. Like if I say it over and over again and they're not hearing it, did I really say it? Right. Because yeah. perception is reality and they obviously didn't hear it. So I just like, it just kind of made me think like, I wonder how many people struggle in relationships where they don't have similar processing speed around the ability to communicate with their partner and what effects that potentially causes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting because uh, like, you know, me and my girlfriend, we are very different. And like, I think that I process things very quickly, like, mm-hmm. like in almost instantly. And I think, and, you know, this could be a whole nother podcast, but I think um, it may have been like a, a trauma response to like, just be able to process really fast. Um, but <clears throat> so like, I have that, but she needs to like sit with it and like process mm-hmm. it and like really think about it. And, um, and it's just been a really interesting journey of like understanding, um, the different speeds and like, how do I slow down and how does she speed up kind of thing? So it's, it's a very, like, I have to be patient. And Mm -hmm. so like, I am a pretty patient person, but when it comes to like problems and like conflict, like I want that resolved, like instantly. So it's, it's really tough to kind of like in that moment, you have to be like, okay, they're not hearing me right now because they're processing. So I have to like slow it down and like, um, you know, for me, I, I just say, Hey, I, I can't talk to you right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave so that you can process it. Because if I stay here, I'm going to say things that I don't want to say. And so, um, so then I just leave a drive or walk or go somewhere so that I don't, do things that I know are not going to be productive towards a relationship and that it's, um, it could possibly be like detrimental basically. Yeah. So I love so much, like I was like getting ready to ask you this like big question, like gotcha question. (laughs) And then you just so beautifully answered it. Um, I love so much that you said that. I think that to me is something that I struggle with is sitting with the discomfort of not knowing mm-hmm. leads me to over communicate yeah. and ultimately say something I don't necessarily mean or overshare around something that I can't create a concept around. Mm-hmm. And so starting to understand the boundaries around, which is ironic that my like eight year old, like just did it so beautifully. Right. Yeah. And I'm over here 40 and I'm like, just shut up, Noah, and like take the dog <laughs> for a walk. You know? Um, but yeah, I have a really bad habit of filling blank spaces of communication because those blank spaces make me feel uncomfortable. Because mm-hmm. I'm looking for approval in my vulnerability, right? Yeah. And in looking for approval in my vulnerability, I create more problems for myself rather than just allowing the space to be like, okay, you've expressed your boundary. I respect that. We'll pick this up when you're ready. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I don't really know how to do that. And so it's funny as somebody, and I, I wonder, you know, as somebody who, who quote unquote processes quickly, I wonder if that's a trauma response in its own right. Hmm. Right. Not yeah. being comfortable sitting with my feelings and then just wanting to go with the first feel, hmm. which something my therapist taught me was, you know, ask yourself three times. And give yourself three different answers and the third one's usually it right so mm-hmm. like why don't you like to share your toys well because they're mine okay ask again why don't you like to share your toys uh, because i bought them right why don't you like to share your toys 
Well, because I don't like to share. Okay, now sit with the third one, right? Yeah. And then in sitting with the third one, you usually get some pretty good stuff. Yeah. Just like deep rooted kid stuff, right? I didn't have a lot of my personal space, and my personal space was constantly invaded. And so when I, you know, when I had something that was mine, I like held on to it too firmly. Um, you know, and, and I think that becomes really valuable. But in order to do that, you need to be comfortable with some level of processing speed that's slower than immediate. Yeah. So it's like, it's just interesting. This little eight-year-old got me thinking about both both sides of processing speed. Yeah. You know, and like, would, would we all be better served hitting a pause button and giving time for true processing speed? Well, I think this would be a good time to like really understand what processing is. Because I think we, not only us, but like, you know, therapists and and all the sorts say like oh you got to process emotions you got to process emotions but like like i'm curious what your definition is and i mean i can share mine but i don't know what the actual thing is you know the thing like processing like what does it actually mean well i mean it becomes kind of convoluted right because it on the face value of just the statement alone, it, it assumes that we all have the capacity to process. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, that's the thing that like I started when I started thinking about this in terms of a podcast and like, the value in a podcast, it, we take for granted that people have the capacity to, to really look deep into something. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, going back to like sh- not sharing. Right? Yeah. I mean, not sharing is like a rudimentary foundational thing that's created at a really, really young age, right? Like it's, it's early adolescent development. And so it's so deeply rooted in your subconscious that like, it's pretty tough to like pull out why you don't want to share, right? Mm -hmm. But not wanting to share, it leads to a lot of micro traumas throughout the day, right? Again, like a really big way. And so something so small is really something so big, which ultimately is like when you look at, you know, you start talking about like Freudian theories, like the, 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 the subconscious, I think he calls it the id or the ego. Yeah. Um, the subconscious is everything, right? Like to the point where like there's some like weird perversions buried there and things like that. But I think for me, when I think about when I think about processing speed and when I think about applying some tempo to my processing speed, I certainly get to a deeper causality by allowing myself processing speed. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting that I've never thought to understand the boundary around asking for time for speed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I wonder how that would serve people's relationships. I have a lot of curiosity around if we implemented, if everybody implemented something along those lines of like, listen, this is a big feel for me. Yeah. I need some time to sit with it. Yeah. I just, I asked that question because like you can see, like, you know, you tell a kid to go to timeout, think about what you did. And they're just sitting there like waiting to get out of timeout. And then like they quote unquote processed things. Right. Cause they're sitting right. by themselves, but they actually didn't think about what they did. Right. They're like, Right. I'm being punished. So I'll wait till time's up and I'll go play again. Um, 
and then it's like you know when you're an adult and then a conflict happens and you just don't want to deal with it so you just walk away and like come back like nothing ever happened like that also is not a processing thing either right so it's like um so i looked it up so i'm very curious and there was a couple different definitions so it was like emotional processing happens when an individual experiences an emotional distressing event and is able to cope with the, those experiences over time to the extent um which didn't really help me but the the next one does uh processing emotions is about learning to understand make sense of and deal with emotions in a healthy productive way so it's like I think that's the first thing is very important, right? Like you have to understand why you are doing the things that you're doing, right? Like why you didn't share. Um, and like, how do you make sense of that? Like almost like a validation as to why you're doing those things. And then like feeling the emotions that happen when you don't want to share. And, and because like, I think, you know, you hear, oh, you got to process your emotions, you got to feel the feels, but then where do those feelings go? Like, how do you, how do you make those feelings come out? Right. Cause you're always like, oh, like your unprocessed emotion stores in the body, but how do you get that out? Right. And, and I've had a very interesting, um, I don't know if it's a, a revelation or not, but with the client, you know, like we always want to like especially with therapy right like you don't want to get to the point where you're yelling at your spouse or like yelling at people or getting so frustrated that you're yelling and you like act out right so it's always like almost like um nonviolent communication like let's calm the situation down let's do this and and i kind of went the unorthodox way of like well sometimes that's that's seen as avoidance right like i don't want to yell i don't want to get in a fight so like we're gonna try to like tiptoe and and like really like try to solve this but i think there is some power in in yelling and getting frustrated and getting those emotions out obviously in a in a quote-unquote healthy way right like don't just go start throwing shit at people um but like Cause like you've, I'm sure you've seen people that like have so much built up emotion, especially like in the gym. Right. And they do a huge lift and they like scream. And then all of a sudden there's crying. Right. Or like you've seen movies of just like someone breaking down and they yell and scream and hit. And then all of a sudden they just like break down and they're like done. Right. But they feel so much better afterwards because the emotion is outside of their body now. So I think there's a balance of like, yes, nonviolence, like calm the situation down, process it. But I don't know that that can happen if there's so much pent up energy and and emotions in the body that if you don't release it, how can you then process it? So, to like to, to maybe turn that on its head a little bit, right? Couldn't you argue that disassociating and not processing mm-hmm. small feels, letting them become big feels, 
is why the need for aggressive outburst. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the way I think about it with my kids is like, when you look at kids having temper tantrums or temper tantrums are because they can't express how they feel. Yeah. So the temper tantrum is the frustration, which obviously is a human trait because we see it in children all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And kids that sustain and continue with ten- temper tantrums are doing so around this idea and this concept of not being able to communicate boundaries or frustration. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, my kids don't have very big outbursts often. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly been a long time since they've had big outbursts. And they're certainly not perfect. They, they come with their own challenges. But what I would say is that in teaching them to express boundaries and to talk about discomfort, I've seen more balance come over them. Yeah. And I think the struggle right now is, is them being it being cool or still being cool while expressing boundaries. Right. Yeah. Cause when things happen, we, we talk about roses and thorns every day. So what are your roses and what are your thorns? And, um, we usually will have some discussion around the thorns and like solvency around those things. And sometimes we just live in, Hey, that sucks. I'm sorry. And sometimes it's, you know, we're going to solve that problem. And oftentimes when I'm like, well, if somebody made you feel that way, like what are ways that you can communicate differently with them so they don't make you feel that way? And they're like, well, that's not cool. Right. Which, you know, and then they're in that space now. So that leads me into trying to teach like causality, right? Like for every cause there's an effect and like, okay, well that's fine if you don't want to express your boundaries, but if they continue to treat you this way, where are the repercussions of long-term treatment like this? Right. Yeah. Like how would you feel if they treated like you like this every day? Would you get frustrated? Would it build up? Blah, 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 and so forth. But it's interesting to me because, you know, coming from, um, uh, back, I, we'll call it an abusive background. I, I hate saying it like that, but it is what it is. Um, coming from that type of background, I realized like how little communication and validation was in that space, right? And I wonder how things would change if feelings could just have been openly and honestly expressed, right? Because mm-hmm. my dad got older, and you know, obviously like physicality was no longer a piece of things and and i grew more intellectual so i couldn't be intellectually bullied anymore you can see my dad kind of resort back to this like adolescence Mm -hmm. right so when i took away his primary outlets for his physical physicality or his this his uh, dysregulation what i saw was this really simple person and I would have never conceptualized my dad as a as a simple person. And he, he was very intelligent. But there was the real simpleness to his emotional standards and, and capacity. And it's interesting, like, and, you know, like, this is just, this is me working out my brain in an outward space. But it's interesting evaluating, seeing one end of the spectrum of an adult that throws temper tantrums, right? Yeah. And then trying to teach causality at a young age to kids and boundaries and then watching how temper tantrums settle Mm -hmm. and go away. Right. And then how easy it becomes to communicate with my kids like people. 
right? Yeah. Not little people, but people, right? Yeah. Because um, I've got my eight-year-old telling me, hey, I'd like to think about this and I'll get back to you tomorrow and well, we can discuss this. Like, it's like, wow. Like, so it's just interesting. It was it was an interesting perspective for me. And I, I, I think to your point, I think big feelings are important to feel. And I, I mean, sometimes they're unavoidable, right? Like things, yeah. big things happen, right? But I just wonder if we understood this space, like as a partner, like in your case, right? You guys have obviously had some practice around tempo, right? And so you immediately, your first thing without even being coerced into it was like, I need, I take space to give her space, right? And so because you have established this, this understanding around tempo, and processing speed, like you know, that like let's, we're gonna we gotta put this on hold for a second, and I'll get what I need, right? Which already is a person. Like think about this, guys. Like think about delayed gratification as like just like a concept and a study, right? Like look at the studies about delayed gratification. They're really, really freaking interesting. Like humans don't do delayed gratification. That's why as adults, most people are overweight, right? Because they don't know how to delay gratification. They're like, well, no, I can have dessert at lunch. And I can have dessert dinner because no one's saying no, right? Yeah. And so delayed gratification in its own right is a whole, I mean, that's a whole other, we could spend a whole freaking podcast on that alone. But it's so interesting to have the capacity to create delayed gratification around problem solving. Yeah. But it's such a valuable skill for mm-hmm. relationships. And I felt like it was something that needed to be said because even with my kids, right? Like we're not even talking about you know, adult relationships in terms of friendships or in terms of spouse, we're talking about like my ability to parent. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. Um, welcome to Noah's brain. Welcome Woo-hoo. to it's kind of what cool, keeps yeah. me up at night. <laughs> right. <laughs> you ever see that movie, the cell with Jennifer Lopez? No. It's worth seeing. It's a horror movie, but it's, it's like from the nineties. So it's super cheesy, but the concept is this guy's going on death row. And oh. she gets to go inside of his in inside of his psyche and see what it's like inside there. Oh. And it's just wild in there. It's a worthwhile movie. It's very interesting. It's a psychological thriller. It's very interesting. But uh that's what my brain's like. My brain's just like such a weird space. And this is the stuff that like it feels good to have the capacity to take a minute to think about these things. Yeah. It feels good to be in the space where I can because I wasn't always here, right? Like I look back in just in my marriage and like, how would this have served my marriage? Yeah. Oh my goodness, right? But it's just interesting. Like I, I, I'm trying to like take this ideal around processing speed. I think there's more to it, and I think it's a really special idea that that probably would serve people well in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think that not only in relationships but in like learning right like if you're like trying to learn frc or you're trying to learn coding or you're trying to learn something you're like okay i gotta get this done i gotta get done in a week and then i gotta go to another thing and then i gotta go to another thing like you don't actually process what you just learned you're just going on to the next thing because you need to learn but you got to understand what you learned, right? You got to be able right. to teach that to somebody else and you got to be able to apply that. So I think speed in general, processing speed in general is like 
pretty key in life. Like if you don't slow down, stop and smell the roses, you'll miss half your life because you're just trying to get to the next thing. And I think, yeah, it is a very important concept, but not only with relationships with other people, but also yourself and, you know, just life skills, I think processing speed is is important well yeah i i mean you look at my daughters that are eight right like and if we conceptualize relationships right like they're just trying to learn how to have relationships right yeah. like i mean that's what eight's about like yeah right like they're just trying right now to test out things and see how they feel you know um Chloe's my little tomboy and she hangs out with like boys almost exclusively and that's her thing. Right. And Chloe's and cadence is the opposite way around. And, you know, cadence is like, Chloe, why do you like hanging out with boys so much? She's like, I don't know. They like to do the things I like to do. They like to, you know, like it, it, there's no, like, you know, Chloe's not looking in the mirror asking herself why girls don't want to hang out with her. Right. Yeah. Like she's just, she's just living in, well, this feels good. Yeah. And this is simplest to me. So yeah. I'm going to do this. You yeah. know? So it's interesting when you get to see it in that sweetness. Yeah. Where there's, there's no, you know, in, in a world marred with like hatred. Yeah. When you get to see kids at the root, they're like, yeah, black, white, gay, straight. Like, they, and, you know, they don't care. Simple. They just want to like, it's just what feels good right like what what this relationship feels good to me so there's no hidden agenda or right or any other thing pure joy and happiness and there isn't so there isn't any sort of rooted subconscious right like nobody's done them dirty yet yeah like nobody's uh there's been very little like forced upon like ideals right like Mm -hmm. They haven't been in the world long enough yet to have any of that. Like yeah. so for them, it's just like, you like Spider-Man? I like Spider-Man. Let's go play fucking Spider-Man. You know, yeah. it's like they have a good time. So it's just interesting. It's interesting to see this stuff practice there and to be able to have the dialogue around it there. Cause you get to see it in its purest form. Yeah. And then and then of course, you know, Noah brain kicks in and I'm like, I wonder where we lose this. When mm-hmm. does this fall apart? Right? Like when so it's like, is not having processing speed a trauma response, and is having too much a trauma response? Which the word trauma in its own right in this day and age is being like just outrageously overutilized. Recognized for sure. Yeah, for sure. But it's just interesting to think about conceptually. So I, I don't know. I wanted to throw it out there. I wonder how many people could apply this same concept of the relationships. I wonder how many people could potentially avoid divorce. Like I maybe potentially could have, I wonder how many people could just feel better evaluating where they lay lie on that processing speed table. Yeah. And like, for me, there's so much power in identity, like just identifying circumstance. Like that was my struggle with therapy was therapy felt like life coaching a little bit. And it wasn't enough of just evaluating. And when I started to just be able to see patterns for what they were and evaluate around the patterns that I see, it allowed me to at least slow down because I could recognize what things were. Yeah. You know? 
Can you hear that? Oh, yeah. So my blind dog, every night, goes up to her toy. She chews it 150 times in a row uh, just to ensure that we all are on the brink of annoying. And then uh, she walks away from it. She's about to do her nightly song to her people, as you can hear. Lovely song. Lovely, lovely Don't Spotify? Song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please hold while I take the toy away from her. You got to let her process it, bro. Bro, she like she she's she's literally standing over her toy box right now. <laughs> Having a blind dog is a whole other processing issue. Um. Anyways, so um, unless you have anything you'd like to add to all that, no, I think that was no good. I think what I'd love to do in the coming weeks, hopefully next week. Um, <laughs> she found it. Just get another squeaky toy. Yeah, she literally just went and got another one and then walked over next to me with it. Uh, I think, um, you know, in the last few weeks, we've had a lot of really interesting ideas conceptually around epigenetics and genetics and all these things. One of the things that I'm realizing as we have more and more conversations around feels is that, is that, um, I wonder how much of that like plays a role in like how our genetics pan out. Right. And so I'd like to talk about that in coming weeks. And uh, the reason I'm putting it out there now is uh, one, to get you all excited about what's coming. And two, because I know there's a few of you that are going to hear me say that and be like, no way. And throw your hands up in the air and then send me a bunch of messages, which will only give me things to talk about next week, which I appreciate. So, um, but yeah, this role of emotions and how they affect epigenetics is, is interesting. And I want to dig deeper. So with that said, there's some forecasting to the following week. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Noah talking through the cobwebs of his brain. Um, you can find me at root.solution on Instagram for all of the angry DMs and Kai what about yourself there you control the basics thank you guys we'll see you next week